Uh, would you please stand uh, for our scripture reading this morning? If you have a Bible and would like to follow around, this is Luke 2. And I'm going to read the first 20 verses of Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. May God add rich blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, this is a celebratory time of year, and Lord, our prayer is that the story of Jesus coming into the world would be our treasure during this season that we would ponder it in our hearts, reflect upon it afresh, and spirit that you would come and encourage our hearts and lead us into further wonder concerning your son, Jesus Christ, who came into this world to die as the sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Lord, we praise you and we give you thanks. And as we reflect now just briefly on a portion of the passage we read, we ask your presence with us, uh, that you would be our teacher. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, about 30 years before the birth of Jesus, Caesar Augustus, who is mentioned in verse 1 of the passage that you just heard, he was officially recognized as the sole ruler of the Roman world. And of course, Caesar Augustus was the Roman ruler who was in power when Jesus was born. The word Augustus is actually an imperial title that was bestowed on him by the Roman Senate. Augustus means revered one or one to be honored. And before the title Augustus was given to this particular man, to this particular Caesar, it had been reserved as a title only for the Roman gods. So that when they bestowed the title Augustus on this Caesar, they were effectively saying that they considered him to be godlike. Of course, this sort of thing was not totally unheard of in the Roman world. Augustus's great uncle had been Julius Caesar. And there's a surviving ancient inscription, still survives today, that calls Julius Caesar... God manifest and common savior of human life. God manifest and common savior of human life. In fact, there's a long history of the Roman rulers being revered and even worshipped as gods. As you go down through the history of the Roman emperors, you find that Nero was referred to as Lord. And that Vespasian was called Savior. And Domitian actually demanded to be acknowledged as Lord and God. For Caesar Augustus's part, he enjoyed many successes during his rule. As he wielded his power as Roman emperor, Augustus expanded the boundaries of the Roman Empire and he overhauled the taxation system and he developed what was a state-of-the-art system of roadways And he even established an army and a small navy. This powerful man was officially declared a god at his death. And our month of August, of course, is named after Caesar Augustus. So then all this to point out simply that Luke 2 begins with a reference to the epitome of human power. Caesar Augustus. You couldn't get any more powerful than the Roman emperor. He was considered a god. But it's interesting, friends, what the God of Israel does with Caesar Augustus in Luke chapter 2. See, in Old Testament days, the God of Israel, we remember the story, he had stirred up the spirit of a certain king, who lived over in Persia. And God had done that so that this king in Persia would carry out a task that God had desired to have done in God's redemptive plan. God stirred up the spirit of Cyrus in order that Cyrus would serve God's purpose. And God does the same sort of thing in Luke chapter 2, the Christmas story. Mighty all-powerful Emperor Augustus ends up subordinate 
to a king who is higher than he is. The venerable Augustus ends up playing the part of a lackey, a servant of God. What happens, according to Luke 2.1, is that Augustus decrees that a registration, a census, for the whole world should take place. Augustus fashioned himself as king of the world. And as he decrees his census, Augustus imagines himself to be in firm control. He imagines that this census of his will serve to further enhance the order and the power of his Roman kingdom. But even as Augustus decrees his census, he is playing the part, unbeknownst to him, he's playing the part of mere human instrument in the higher, more important purposes of Almighty God. What happens is that Augustus's census serves to bring a very pregnant Mary and her betrothed Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Joseph had to register for the census in his own town, which was Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and they arrive in Bethlehem in order that the prophecy that God had given to his prophet Micah centuries earlier in Micah 5.2, the prophecy was that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. God did this so that the prophecy would be fulfilled. Jesus would come from Bethlehem, so said God, Hundreds of years earlier. Little did powerful Augustus know when he flexed his imperial muscles and declared his census that he was playing the role of a servant, fulfilling God's prophecy concerning the birthplace of the true and universal emperor, Jesus Christ. Proverbs 21, verse 1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. See, Augustus's heart was a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, unbeknownst to him. And Justin Trudeau's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord, unbeknownst to him. And so is Donald Trump's and Xi Jinping's and every other merely human ruler. The king's heart, I'll read the full verse, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Friends, because God ordained it to be so, Caesar Augustus's census gets Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, where in the fulfillment of God's word, the king of kings is born into the world. And as Michael Green has put it, even the universal rule of Augustus is subordinate to another purpose, the aim of God. Well, in Bethlehem, <clears throat> amidst smelly animals... 
And amidst Mary's pain and her sweat and blood and cries, the baby Jesus was born. And in that moment of moments, Mary and Joseph did what they could to clean off Jesus' naked little body. And they wrapped him in swaddling cloths and they laid him down in a feeding trough. As we mentioned earlier, the Caesars of the world, Augustus, Julius, Nero, Vespasian, these were men who became gods in the eyes of the Romans. Men who became gods. Jesus is actually the eternal God who became man. The roles were reversed that day in Bethlehem. At the moment of Jesus' birth, there wasn't much to compare between the slippery, crying, vulnerable, dependent baby born in such lowly, out-of-the-way circumstances, not much to compare between that baby and the mighty, powerful, honored, revered Caesar Augustus. But the roles would certainly be reversed, wouldn't they? See, what we now know of Caesar Augustus's rule can be found only in history books and in the surviving ruins of ancient civilizations. But Jesus, the crucified and risen King of Kings, remains the ruler of the hearts and minds of millions upon millions of men, women, and children past present, and even future. Of Jesus Christ it is said, He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in still another village where he worked in a carpenter's shop till he was 30. Then, for three years, he was an itinerant preacher, He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family or owned a house. He didn't go to college. He never visited a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things one usually associates with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Twenty centuries have come and gone. And today, he is the central figure of the human race and the leader of humankind's progress. All the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, All the parliaments that ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, 
have not affected the life of persons on this earth as much as that one solitary life. Yes. As it would turn out, the rule of Caesar Augustus and the rule of every other world leader are subject to the higher rule of the King of Kings, born in Bethlehem, Jesus Christ. Christmas is about the eternal second person of the Trinity taking on our fleshly nature. Born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago, in his life as a real man, Jesus suffered temptation but did not sin. Instead, he took our sins upon himself at the cross, and as the God-man, he died there as our substitute, as the stand-in for us who deserve to die because of our sin against the holy God who fashioned us. Jesus became sin, says the New Testament. He became sin for us, and he died an atoning death for us in order to spare us from the wrath of God and bring us into a forgiven relationship with God. You see, the purpose of Bethlehem, friends, was Calvary. The purpose of the birth of Jesus Christ was the powerful atoning death of Jesus Christ. My Advent prayer for you is that you are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, your word turns our worlds upside down. Jesus Christ comes into the world and turns things on their head for your glory and for our benefit and for our redemption. We praise you for sending your son to become man in the way that you did. What a mystery, what a marvel, what a wonder, what a joy. Lord God, as we deepen into the Christmas season, my prayer is that Jesus be glorified in our lives, that Holy Spirit, you would come and bring us joy because of Jesus, because the Father so loved the world that he sent his Son. I pray these things in Jesus' name, and thank you. Amen. And now may the only true God, immortal, invisible, God only wise, in light inaccessible hid from our eyes, most blessed and glorious, the ancient of days, be to you glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen.